Hi, this is Jamie Court, and you're listening to the Rage for Justice Report. This is Consumer Watchdog's weekly podcast where we expose, confront, and change. And today we have with us Carmen Balver, the Executive Director of Consumer Watchdog. Hey, Carmen. Hey, Jamie. Today we're going to talk about a report that's been long in the making on a really important topic, electronic signature gathering. This is about how now we in California have to go to stores uh, or malls to sign ballot petitions physically. But it'd be really simple if we could just go online to a website, add our signature and have a chance to read the initiative and, and have a chance to digest the initiative and then sign the ones we want to get on the ballot. So Carmen, we've been studying this for a long, long time. And this report really uh, brings up the, the, the real need in the time of a pandemic and in the time of so much money being put into politics to actually get the state off its butt and, 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 and put a plan in motion so that we can sign uh, signatures online. What are the main findings of the report? Well, you, you're right that we've been talking about this for a long time. In fact, for the last 20 years that I've been at the organization, we've t- been talking about how to better return this tool of direct democracy to the citizens it was created for. So um, we found in the report what we've known anecdotally, but put really hard numbers on uh, the fact that the initiative process is closed to all but the wealthiest Californians. So uh, signature costs in 2020 to qualify a measure for the ballot reached a record high of 722 per valid signature. So for every signature gathered to qualify a measure for the ballot, it costs $7.22. An amazing number was not equaled in the past 16 years of data that we reviewed for this report. And, and, and that means, Carmen, when you need to get a million signatures for the ballot, or I guess these are for valid signatures, 660,000 signatures, that cost about how much to get a signature on the ballot than doing that multiplication. For the 2020 election, it was $4.8 million on average. So we've seen the number of signatures you need to qualify for the ballot to go up because it's based on the number of people in California who vote for governor. And you've seen the costs of gathering those signatures increase. So what used to be a a common saying in the initiative world, uh, with a million bucks, you could put any measure, measure on the ballot. This time around, that reached almost $5 million on average. And even that, and even that million-dollar number is a long way from the, the goals of the initiative process, which were established by Hiram Johnson uh, at the turn of the century in order to give uh, everyone who's an ordinary person an option to go and, and, and limit the special interests. The real estate barons, me, the railroad barons were the people he was fighting. But this was supposed to be the people's process, and it's turned into something else, hasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, what we saw uh, in every one of the numbers that we crunched in this in this uh, analysis of the ballot initiative process is that the same special interests who decide policymaking in Sacramento are deciding policymaking on the ballot. And that's exactly the opposite of the intention of the ballot initiative process, which was to give the citizens a tool to act when the legislature was too beholden or too uninterested in acting on issues that the citizens found important. So that was the other big finding of this report. We looked at the top lobbyist employers in Sacramento since the 2005 election cycle and the top initiative spenders in those same cycles and found that two of five top initiative spenders were also among the top lobbyist employers in Sacramento every year. So the same people who are buying policy in Sacramento are now buying it on the ballot.
Well, we, we, we also had um, in, in trying to stop us from and others from trying to get electronic signatures, they had a pretty good argument in the past, or at least it's held off reform about voter fraud, about how easy it'd be for someone to put your signature on the ballot. But the technology's caught up so that now they don't have that argument anymore, do they? No, not at all. And, you know, the, the question here is really about who gets to reach the ballot. And we cannot, because of the Supreme Court's decisions on the First Amendment, tell corporate interests they can't play in the initiative process. But what we can do is make it as easier for citizens to participate. So in past years, you know, issues were raised about using um, electronic signatures because of security and fraud concerns, um, because there was a big hurdle creating a statewide database of voters to make it possible, you know, fears of that there would be a flood of ballot measures, but the technology has gotten so advanced. I mean, we all know that we can bank on our phone now um, the technology has gotten so advanced with two-factor authentication uh, and other uh, movements that we can be confident that the person who signed their name to a ballot initiative is the person they say they are. And, you know, a system could create could be designed in such a way that we created additional measures to make sure that everyone in California was confident the people signing were the people they say they were. Well, well, the, the, go back to two-factor notification, because as I understand that that is the key to making this new system work, and it is what was um, proposed in Boulder, Colorado, where there's they, they've, they're, that's the first um, a prototype, even though I don't think they've put it to use yet for uh, uh, electronic signature gathering. Um, to explain a little bit how, how the system would work, you'd, you'd, you'd have a You'd have a list of initiatives that are going to go qualify on a Secretary of State's website. And then how would you be registered to interact with that and what kind of security measures would be in place? It could be done a couple different ways. So we have some options here. The idea that was proposed to Boulder and they're working on implementing now gives people the option to go to a website to uh, log in using personally identifiable information. So that might be your driver's license number, your state identification number that also identifies you as an eligible voter. And then you go through the process there. You're able to read uh, the full text of a measure, weigh the pros and cons, maybe look at who's giving money to support it and who's giving money to oppose it before you put your measure, uh, before you put your name uh, on the petition to sign. I also understand that the proposal or what's in the air is you use two-factor notification as whereas you register with the Secretary of State's website to have the right to sign. And then the Secretary of State's website would then send either a, um, a piece of mail to the address that they verified as your address to conf- with a code that would confirm that you're that person or some other secure method. Maybe it'd be a, a mobile phone with a with a, with a verification code like you have when you want to access your bank account. But that two-factor authentication is is the key to making this secure, isn't it? Absolutely. And that can be done a, diff- a number of different ways. We could do it by the mail, uh, as you suggested, and we're all getting used to uh, mail-in voting because of, uh, because of COVID. Um, or it can be done in the way that we do two-factor authentication for everything from our Twitter account uh, to uh, spending money from our bank account. And that is, that's technology that the financial industry thinks is secure enough to trust. We can trust uh, in signing initiative petitions. And that's largely because the database that um, we have at the state level is now sophisticated enough and connected enough because we have information connecting 
uh, our voting ha our voting um, uh, patterns with enough information out of the, de the Department of Motor Vehicles database that it gives you the uh, enough independent factors that you can authenticate them and make sure that person's that person. Um, the the other thing that the big question, sixty four thousand dollar question, sixty four million dollar question, maybe when you come to initiatives, is if we do this online, why won't there be so many more initiatives than there are now? Won't we? You know, if, if you get someone with a Twitter account who can, um, you know, say, hey, uh, let's get SpongeBob SquarePants on the ballot. Let's get SpongeBob SquarePants to be the mascot of California. I want to do this, this ballot initiative. What's to prevent that from happening? Well, number one, I think that's um, a fear that is a little blown out of proportion. I don't think it will be as easy as some opponents fear it will be to qualify a measure electronically. And that's because of the limited experience we have in other states. But for example, I spoke to uh, someone in the state of Michigan who faced a crisis uh, when the pandemic hit. In-person signature gathering had shut down and they were getting close to qualifying a measure for the ballot there that would have implemented a, a greater equality for LGBTQ uh, employees. And so what they did was they turned to uh, electronic signatures. They turn to common technology we've all used before uh, by a company called DocuSign um, to begin gathering signatures electronically. And what they found was people are very reticent uh, to put their personal information, their identifying information in online to sign a petition electronically. It was harder for them to gather signatures digitally than it was in the traditional signature gathering process. So I think the knee-jerk assumption that it will be easier, that this will be like clicktivism, is wrong. People have more doubts when they're not just signing their name to an electronic petition. They think more about it. But number two, we could put in a trial period. We could put a trial in place where only a limited number of measures were able to qualify electronically and gauge how the system worked in California. If you had to, you could change the signature requirements, uh, create any sort of different you know, framework where we could test this out in California, find out how it works to open up the process to citizens, but you know, not create a flood of crazy people proposing crazy ideas like making SpongeBob the president of California. All right, well, uh, this is really great work, Carmen. Thank you for um, bringing this report to the public's attention and, and hopefully um, the legislature and, 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 and the voters will, will, will be next and, and, and be able to to bring this proposal uh, forward and we'll all have a lot easier time signing signatures next time. This is um, Jamie Court um, signing off for the Rage for Justice report. I've been talking with Carmen Balber, the executive director of Consumer Watchdog, and uh, we hope you'll go to uh, Apple uh, App Store, uh, SoundCloud, uh, go to Stitcher and subscribe to this uh, Rage for Justice report so you can get it every week. Thanks for raging with us.